0: Everyone, welcome to episode 50 of the Asian Madness Podcast, which means another round of Asian urban legends. Big thanks to all of you for sticking around. I started out in late 2017 and I feel like I have come a very long way. A lot has happened in my life, but at least I've still got this podcast going. All in all, I'm in a good place now, mentally and physically. As long as this coronavirus doesn't get to me. I do hope you're all doing well, especially those of you living in the Americas and in Europe. Shit's getting out of control there. Honestly, do try to wear face masks if you can. Some people say it does nothing, but it can help prevent you from getting suspicious particles directly onto your face, and it could also help you from touching your face It may not look super cool, but I think we would all prefer to stay alive. It's a really small price to pay, really. Also, don't hoard toilet paper rolls and essentials. That happened here in Taiwan sometime in February, and honestly, it was really unnecessary. You may be panicking and in need, but think about others as well. Use this time to be kind and to show support for others who may also be freaking out and struggling. Oh, and stay home, for your sake, and for everybody else's sake. Well, okay, that's enough nagging. On to the episode. As usual, I will be sharing five different urban legends with you from the Asian continent. While they may not be outright terrifying or spooky, and may even come off slightly ridiculous, I still hope you all find them interesting. It's definitely a great way to learn about different cultures, find out what they consider important or taboo. The first tale today comes from the Philippines, and this is the tale of Don Simeon Bernardo's tomb. So, who was Don Simeon Bernardo? This very interesting man was born in the year 1869 in the city of Malabon, located in Metro Manila. In the year 1896, the Spanish colonial authorities discovered that there was an anti colonial secret organization in the Philippines planning on starting a nationwide revolution. And of course, they were not very okay with that. That's basically how the Philippine Revolution, or the Tagalog War, started. Simeon Bernardo was a wealthy landowner at the time of the revolution, and he was subsequently arrested for taking part in it he denied any participation, but he, along with a few hundred other people, were accused of participating. He was tortured in some of the worst ways and grossest ways possible, which includes getting hot boiling oil poured on him, having a gun shoved down his throat, threatening to pull the trigger if he didn't confess, and also forced to live in filthy conditions. Despite all the hardships he went through and the torture he received, He managed to stay alive and eventually even returned home. But he returned home a changed man. I mean, it's not exactly surprising considering what he went through. What you must know is that the Philippines is an extremely Catholic nation. Believing in God and going to church was just something people did, no questions asked. However, Simeon Bernardo condemned religion. While the Bible and religious sermons continued to preach the word of faith, telling people how being good always works out in the end, how God always wins the war, Bernardo felt differently. He read the Bible several times, questioning the ideas in the Bible, which eventually led him to make a choice. He became an atheist. Not just that, he told his daughters of his ideologies and convinced them as well. Resulting in their anti church stance and their refusal to get married. In the year 1926, Bernardo personally designed and hired someone to build a statue for him, which was later placed on his tomb. The statue was basically Satan crushing St. Michael the Archangel under his feet, depicting the idea that Satan, aka evil, ends up winning. Next to the statue was a stone tablet with a dialogue between Satan and Saint Michael, and another stone tablet featuring Adam and Eve. It was said that the original statue was of Satan standing over Adam and Eve, and the angel was later added on. People started to accuse Bernardo of being a Satanist, but he made it clear that he was in fact an atheist, and since he did not believe in God, he also did not believe in Satan. This statue was just him trying to make a point in a country that relies so heavily on religion and God. It is safe to say his experience with colonial rule and the religion they forced on him really destroyed his faith. So, what exactly is so creepy or interesting about this? Well, for a nation that was very Catholic, just the idea that this tomb and statue existed kind of freaked them out. Every day, people pray to God. Hoping God will help them, but every time people saw the statue of Satan winning, it gave them the creeps. This began as an emotional fear, but later it turned physical. People who passed by the cemetery from time to time would notice that the statue looked different from the last time they saw it, almost as if the Satan statue got bigger and bigger. Many television shows and news reporters visited the cemetery to get the story. And according to the locals, the statue just seemed to grow bigger and bigger in size as the years went by. Some, who have even walked by the cemetery at night, claim to have seen Satan missing from the tomb, and this caused many people living in the region to panic. Eventually, a metal cage was placed over the statue over the tomb because people were terrified that the Satan figure would continue to leave during the night and terrorize the locals. Someone even put a rosary on Satan's arms. Although this may sound a bit creepy and mysterious, some people have pointed out that the reason the statue seemed to be growing was because it kept getting vandalized, which meant it had to be repaired constantly, which could also be when the archangel was then added on. Once it was repaired, it just looked like it got bigger. Whatever the truth may be, It still doesn't ease people's feelings about seeing a statue of Satan triumphing over angels and God, as that is the exact opposite of what they were taught to believe in. This tomb is located in the city of Malabon at the Tugatog Cemetery. For our next tale, I would like to take you all to Korea and discuss a very popular but strange legend, the Virgin Ghost. This tale is pretty straightforward. It could be either a man or a woman, though the legend that goes around tends to mostly focus on women. Bear in mind that this is a pretty old timey urban legend, meaning gender roles are very much the norm. Basically, when a woman reaches adulthood and dies without getting married, she becomes a vengeful ghost who will roam the world looking to seduce men and take them with her. Women also become a target, as the ghost is bitter and jealous of the life they never got to have. Once upon a time, women believed that their main role on earth was to bear children, serve their elders, and their husbands. Sounds a little sad, I guess, but I suppose most societies kind of went through this belief at some point in history. These virgin ghosts are said to be very beautiful, usually with long, flowy black hair and dressed in a white traditional Korean gown. Back in the day, when couples wanted to get married and were worried that a virgin ghost they knew would come and ruin their plans, they would try to find a suitable man for the virgin ghost first. And by man, I mean someone equally dead. And only after the two are wed in a ghost marriage can the actual living couple feel safe enough to marry. This really just boils down to what you believe in. Here is one specific legend in regards to the Virgin Ghost that is slightly different from the type I mentioned earlier. A woman had to separate from her boyfriend when he had to go to work at sea. Every day, the woman waited by the shore, hoping that he would return. But because of the storms, the man had difficulty returning to his girlfriend. One day, things got exceptionally bad, and before she could see him one last time, she fell into the ocean and drowned. Since that day, fishermen off the shore were no longer able to catch any fish, and many believed that her death was bitter, which brought ill fortune to everyone near the area. The fishermen never gave up fishing, though. They continued going out to sea and tried to catch fish, but always came back empty-handed. One day, a fisherman had the urge to, uh, urinate while he was on his boat, and so he pulled down his pants and urinated in the ocean. For some strange reason, fish began appearing in the ocean right afterwards, and they were able to take a lot back to the shore, just like the good old days. Considering how these series of events unfolded, it was hard not to make the correlation between urinating in the ocean and the fish coming back. The villagers later associated the death of the woman. As the virgin ghost, as she died before she was able to marry her boyfriend and bear children. In more explicit terms, she never got to have sex, so she kind of missed out on one of the simple pleasures in life. It was rumored that the fisherman exposing his genitalia to her kind of did some form of awakening, as it was something she never got to experience when she was alive. That is, if you actually believe that the ghost of the woman was haunting the ocean and causing trouble. Because of this strange finding, the people from the village decided to set up various wooden phallic carvings and hold religious ceremonies twice every year to appease her. Once the setup was in place, everything returned to normal for the villagers. If you think this is just a story, well, maybe. Could have all just been a coincidence for sure, but fact is, this so-called penis park really does exist in a small town called Sinam in South Korea. This specific urban legend probably came off less spooky, but urban legends don't necessarily have to always be scary. A Korean movie called The Wrath was filmed based on the legend of the Virgin Ghost. The ghost in the movie was portrayed as the most vengeful kind of ghost in Korean urban legend and myth. During the filming of this movie, a couple of the actresses reported strange occurrences. One actress said she was in the hotel bedroom, drying her hair when the entrance light turned on by itself. She took a closer look and saw that the door to her room was open, and she could vaguely see a figure standing at the entrance. She didn't think much of it at first as she thought it was probably the director or someone from the team. She later asked around, but it wasn't anyone from her group. Also, the keys to her room was actually in her room, and the door was locked from the inside. Pretty strange, I would say, but take it as you will. While virgin ghosts are said to be more common, the male version is known as the bachelor ghost, and they could get pretty lonely too. Next up is a very interesting legend of a village in Japan called Inunaki Village. It's not just the village itself that's considered haunted, but also the tunnel and the ridge in that same region. Despite the fact that this village is known as one of the most haunted places in Japan, many people do not believe it's haunted, and some don't even believe it exists or existed. A lot of terrible things have happened around this area, which makes it the perfect haunted location and has thus created the perfect urban legend. Here is some background information on this Inunaki village. The village supposedly no longer exists, but it was once located somewhere within the Fukuoka prefecture, and before the year 1690, the village didn't even have a name. The village can no longer be found on a present-day map, as it doesn't seem to exist anymore, though the Inunaki River and mountain still can be found. As you walk along the forested area, you will eventually come across the old Inunaki Tunnel. The tunnel is not very long, but it is dark, dingy, and very much abandoned. There were always a lot of car accidents in the old Inunaki Tunnel while it was still in use, as it was very narrow. A lot of people reportedly died in the tunnel, and since then, people have reported seeing figures in the dark, handprints on their cars from the outside, or even faces pressed up close to the car window. Pretty spooky. People have also claimed to have heard wailings, footsteps, and whispering voices. You can no longer go through this tunnel, as it has been sealed off by the local government. They were probably getting too many complaints and stories on how haunted it was, so they decided to end the rumors once and for all. To be fair, it would make sense if people thought they heard or saw things there, especially since many people died in that area, and a brutal murder was once committed in front of the tunnel in the year 1988. Here is what happened. Five teens were hanging about the tunnel one night came across a 20-year-old factory worker, Umeyama Koichi, who was on his way home. The teens saw that Umeyama had a car or some sort of vehicle, so they wanted him to hand it over. Umeyama, of course, was like, no. And instead of just taking no for an answer and leaving him alone, the five teens teamed up and began to beat the crap out of him. Once they saw that he was nearly dead, they decided to end his life by lighting him on fire. Umeyama ran into the tunnel, all the while screaming in pain. He eventually burned to death and the teens walked away like nothing happened. But they were all arrested and charged with murder the following day, so that's good. Now back to the story. Once you supposedly go past the tunnel, and if you're lucky, you may eventually arrive at the actual village. As this village cannot be found on a map. It may take some luck for people to come across it. It's very well hidden and some even say that the village chooses who finds them, not the other way around. Let's assume here that you find the village. The village is clearly abandoned and has a very old Japanese-style look to it. The village is sort of blocked off from the main path and on the fence there sits a sign that supposedly says Japanese regulations and constitutions do not apply here. What does that even mean though? It was rumored that this little village was completely secluded from the rest of Japan and its laws and regulations. They had their own set of rules, or rather, lack of rules. The village was rumored to carry out rituals, human sacrifices, and all things taboo including murder, incest, and cannibalism. As you can imagine, the people that supposedly lived in this village must have been Pretty strange. The village was said to have been filled with traps, as the villagers were not very welcoming of guests and preferred to keep to themselves. But if any outsider managed to wander into their village, they would most likely disappear forever. A villager supposedly went crazy one night and killed more than 30 people in the village, which definitely makes this place seem even more cursed and haunted. Even now, people who have tried to explore the Inunaki area have vanished without a trace, and this just continues to fuel the urban legend that ghosts and evil spirits from the Inunaki village are out there. If you've seen the movie The Hills Have Eyes, well, that's kind of what comes to mind for me. If you do a thorough search online, you will find that there is indeed a real village called Inunaki village that existed between the years 1691 to 1889. The village is very real and very normal, and over the years it merged with other nearby villages. The original site of the Inunaki village is actually completely underwater now because of a dam construction or a flood, so that is definitely not the rumored haunted Inunaki village. Some say the tale of the haunted village came from a Japanese creepypasta in the 90s. A guy had allegedly sent a letter to a TV station describing a village that, quote, does not seem to belong in Japan, end quote, detailing all the horrors and hauntings of said area. Could this village have been real? Sure, why not? Back in the days, we didn't have internet and technology. If a village was completely isolated from the rest of civilization, it could definitely have been possible. Some say the village still exists, some say it has been abandoned for good, and some others will say that the village never existed in the first place. That is definitely something no one knows for sure, but to this day, no one has been able to provide any sort of proof. The next story comes from the province of Guangzhou, China. It's less of a legend as everything that happened there, well, happened. So I guess knowing that everything is fact rather than myth kind of makes it a bit creepier. Everything, starting from its construction phase up to present day events, can be considered pretty uncanny. This mall is called the Liwan Plaza. Let's start from the very beginning. This mall covers a lot of land, and it took many years to clear the ground and build the foundation. Before this mall was constructed, though, it was rumored that many of the original business owners and people living in that area were not too keen on moving, but the construction developers were determined to do whatever it took to get the land for themselves. This included setting fire to an area directly causing the death of 24 people. Now that the land was theirs to work with, the construction team began doing some digging, and they somehow came upon eight unmarked coffins buried deep in the ground. A Taoist priest was then asked to take a look at the coffins and to give his opinion on what it could mean. And after assessing the situation, the priest concluded that the way the eight coffins were buried had meaning and that they shouldn't be moved. He also confirmed that the coffins were buried in a ritualistic manner and could not, should not, be messed with for the next thousand years. It could bring years of bad luck and many deaths otherwise. I know how it sounds, like a load of superstition. Although I am not a firm believer of these things myself, I can't help but realize how little I know about ancient religion, history, and folk customs. Sometimes it's better to believe and be safe than to not believe and be sorry. This just sounds like the beginning of some horror movie, where people come across dead bodies buried in some kind of ritualistic fashion, and of course, they ignore all the signs because they don't believe in ghosts or spirits. So the construction team basically thought what the Taoist priests said was BS. They managed to get the eight caskets taken away from the ground, and they were all cremated. But to be on the safe side, the mall was built in the shape of an octagon which in Chinese traditions, it is the shape that helps ward off evil. Didn't do much, though, as a series of unfortunate events began to unfold for this Liwan Plaza. Out of the four mall landlords, two of them died under strange circumstances. One of them had been doing a nightly routine check of the mall when he was attacked by a pack of wild dogs. While his death could have been prevented if he managed to get to the hospital on time, his call to the emergency services seemed to have been inexplicably blocked off for half an hour. He just couldn't get through on the phone, and in the end, he wasn't able to make it. One of the mall owners' wife and kids all died in some strange freak accident, and he himself was caught doing illegal transactions and died from a hemorrhage while he was in prison. Liwan Plaza officially began operating around the late 90s. The mall part had six floors, and the public had access from the first to the fifth floor. The other taller buildings around the plaza were all for residential purposes, the highest floor being the 30th floor. Before the mall was even opened, a lot of people working in construction and operation have lost their lives in one way or another. This wasn't a good sign, and it made the place feel overall unhealthy, cold, and cursed. Here is a list of things that happened in the year 2004 at Lee Wan Plaza that pretty much made everyone believe that the place was cursed. A shop owner died by electrocution in his own shop. Two women jumped off the 7th floor on Valentine's Day. A janitor discovered the corpse of a baby on the second floor staircase. A man in his 60s fell or jumped from the fifth floor of the mall area. A day later, another man fell or jumped from the fifth floor. A woman fell from the fifth floor and died. A total of eight deaths in the year 2004. But of course, that is not all. Between 2005 and present day, Many more have committed suicide in the plaza, and eerily enough, most of them jump from the fifth floor of the South Tower, all landing around the same spot on the first floor. If that's not really weird, I don't know what is. What really makes this place such a suicide hotspot? One man who survived jumping off the fifth floor was later asked about why he chose to commit suicide at Lee Wan Plaza the man responded that he was not trying to commit suicide at all. He actually felt a need to walk over to the balcony area, and when he was close enough, he felt something push him, and that's what caused him to fall. Another man attempted suicide in 2014 by jumping off the fifth floor, but instead of killing himself, he accidentally landed on an innocent bystander on the first floor, killing him instead. This man, though, actually did jump on his own, as it was later discovered that he was actually a convicted felon who had been on the run since 1997. I guess he got tired of running and decided to end his own life, but instead, he ended someone else's. I do feel really bad for the guy he landed on, though. So, it's not hard to see why this place is rumored to be haunted. Sketchy construction, weird coffins discovered rumors of curses, multiple people committing suicide. It's pretty weird that this place is still operating. People have supposedly heard voices in the plaza in the middle of the night. Weird, blood-like stains which show up randomly on the marble floor from time to time. And a terrible stench, almost like the smell of decay, is set to appear from time to time as well. I cannot say for sure whether this place is haunted or not, But considering the kind of things that have happened there, I probably wouldn't want to risk it. Last tale for today. Let's head back to Japan for one of those classic-style internet urban legends. This is a tale of Yoshimuji-san. I cannot confirm whether this tale is true or not, but here's the thing. Even if it's not real, it very well could be an exaggeration of something that could happen to any one of us, so please don't disregard this. This urban legend starts out simple. Miko was a young woman from Japan. She was an avid user of the internet, especially social media. She was often logged into a Japanese social media website called Mixi, which is very similar to Facebook. You add friends, share stories and posts, upload photos the typical things you do on social media. One day, someone Miko didn't recognize a friend in her, and out of curiosity, she accepted his friend request. The person's name was Yoshimuji-san. Maybe it was a friend of a friend, or an acquaintance she didn't remember. Either way, not a big deal, right? The following day, Yoshimuji-san messaged Miko. The first message he sent her was not really your typical first message. No hello, no self-introduction. Instead, the message read, Miko is 21 years old, but she is still not married? Yeah, pretty rude and intrusive. 21 isn't even that old, so I have no idea what century this guy crawled out from. Miko read the message and felt a bit weird. She was sure she didn't recognize this person and asking such a personal question wasn't okay. She was a nice person and wasn't sure how to respond, so she tried to be as neutral as possible. I am a student at the moment, so yes, I am still unmarried. Was her polite response. He responds with, Do you have a boyfriend? Where do you live? Please tell me your real name. Now it was time for Miko to cut this creep out of her life she responds. I am not answering those questions. I will remove you from my friend list if I hear any more strange things from you. This shut Yoshimuji-san up, at least for 10 days. Miko thought the situation was over, but little did she know, it was just about to escalate. 10 days later, Miko was chilling at home when she received a rather concerning message that read, Please change your profile photo and remove all the men from your friend list. If you don't, you will be killed. This was starting to get aggressive and not just rude. Miko wasn't sure if she should be worried or not. On one hand, she knew that the internet was filled with creeps and weirdos, so maybe she shouldn't worry about this. On the other hand, it could be worse. She did not respond to him. She instead decided to unfriend this person but before she deleted him, she got curious about this person. She had just realized that she added him to her friend list without ever checking his profile. What she saw made her blood run cold though. These are his most recent posts. A post from that same day detailed a firework displayed by a river. Yoshimuji-san went to see it. Miko and friends were by the same river watching the same fireworks. It was just earlier that day. Was it a coincidence? Maybe, but definitely got her curiosity. She continued reading the rest of the entries he made of the previous days. Post from yesterday. Yoshimuji-san posted about going to a party at a bar. Strangely enough, Miko had gone to that same bar with her friends on that same night. Post from three days ago. Yoshimuji-san talked about going to the beach and how nice it was. Miko and friends went to that same beach exactly three days ago. Post from four days ago. san posted about living alone. All he did that day was stay home, read, and use the internet. That was exactly what Miko did four days ago. Post from five days ago. Yoshimuj-san had made a detailed account of him going grocery shopping, and as for the place he went to and everything he bought that day? Same as Miko exactly five days ago. Miko was extremely alarmed at this point. She wasn't sure if he was just stalking her and stealing information from her on her own posts, or if something more serious and scary was happening. It was almost as if this Yoshimuji-san was living her life, or living her life with her. The worst part was that she had no idea what he looked like or who he was, It made her sick to think that this person was probably around her every single day and she had no clue. She continued to read an even older post, one made from six days ago. It read, I have found the right person this time, the person I am destined to be with. I have located the house as well. Now that I've found you, I will not let go. I will be very close to you. This was enough for Miko to completely flip out. She definitely had a stalker, and she needed to make sure she stopped this guy. And if he didn't, she would have to call the police for help. She composed herself and began typing a message. Stop right now or else I'm calling the police. I'm serious. What are you doing? How do you know so much about me? Where are you? Where are you watching me from? Yoshimuji-san responded immediately. I see all your updates and know about your plans, who you're with, and where you go. I live in a room on the fifth floor, just like you. I'm by your side. I'm in your closet. Whatever happened to Miko? No one knows. For all we know though, this specific tale probably is just an urban legend, but that really doesn't mean that there isn't any truth to this story. I bet there are many people out there who have experienced something similar to this. Sometimes we have a tendency to overshare online, whether it's photos, check-ins, personal information, all that. Sharing technically shouldn't be an issue. We want friends to know what we're up to. But you cannot guarantee that this information won't land in the wrong hands. The most important thing, though? Don't be a stalker. So, there you have it. Another five weird tales from my side of the world to you. You may not find these very scary, and that's okay. Not all urban legends are meant to be scary. Some can help you navigate life, teach you a small lesson, help you think, or just give you more insight to a culture that's very different from yours. Whichever it may be, I do hope you found these stories interesting nonetheless. Thank you for tuning in. I wouldn't be here without you guys. Stay safe and stay home. Till next time. And before I go, I would like to thank the following people. For my Patreon, I would like to welcome Solame. I am so sorry if I mispronounced it. And Nicole. As for reviews, thank you to mz underscore pzd underscore off. Adam T from australia h-o-l-v-j from the uk nudicorn from hong kong and kate bell from the uk thank you very very much thank you for tuning in to the asian madness podcast if you enjoyed my content please rate and review me on itunes If you would like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or email me at asianmadnesspod at gmail.com.